Father, this morning we just want to thank you. We are standing here at the final day of this fourth month. And we are here only because of you. It was not because any one of us were better than the people who are lying in the ICU or who have already died. It was your mercy and your purpose alone. Either we are a sinner to whom you are extending life, or we are a saint whose purpose is not complete. That's the only reason we are alive and well. Not because any one of us is better than the ones who have gone ahead. And I pray we will value life. We'll value every day that you add to our lives. Because it's a gift from God to the deserving and the undeserving. That we will redeem our time. For the days are truly evil. Nobody has to tell us anymore the days are evil. And I pray, Lord, young and old, we will redeem our time. We will walk circumspectly. For there is an enemy who roars, who looks for somebody he can devour. And so many has already been eaten away by him. But his appetite is whetted only for more. For hell has enlarged itself, is what your word says. Hell has a capacity like nothing else. So has heaven. So has heaven. And therefore we stand, therefore we pray, therefore we preach, therefore we proclaim your gospel. For the gospel is always the power of God unto salvation. And we lift Jesus up. We glorify the name of Jesus. We magnify the name of Jesus. Because there is no other name under the heavens given by which man can be saved. So we are not ashamed to proclaim your name. We are not ashamed to proclaim your gospel. And we say with your servant, woe unto us if we do not declare your gospel. For we are both constrained by the terror of the law and the love of God, O Father, to preach your word. Speak to us through this day. Cause us to hunger after you, Lord. We hunger after so many things. So it's not that we do not have hunger. It is that we hunger after other things. Today I pray, cause us to hunger after you. For you are the one who satisfies our soul. We have eaten so much of the world, we are still hungry. We have drunk so much of the world, we are still thirsty. But you said, if those who drink of the water you give will thirst no more. Let the river flow. It can only flow from one place. It is not from behind a pulpit. It's from the throne room of God. The river flows from the throne room of God. And I pray, Lord, today, let it flow from there. Let the anointing flow. Let the anointing touch your people. Wherever, whichever part of the world they are, the anointing can reach them. The anointing can touch them. The anointing can set captives free. Even today.
Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We'll go to Psalm 80. Psalm 80. And we'll read from verse 1 to 19. <coughs> we are pleading to God. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who lead Joseph like a flock. You who dwell among the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. You brought a wine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her bows to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it. The wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this wine. The vineyard which your right hand has planted, the branch that you made strong for yourself, it is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. A cry for Israel is a cry for the church now. The church is in crisis. Church is in crisis. And if you do not see it, either you are blind or you are not in the church. I'm not talking about GDC. I'm talking about the church of God. It looks as if God has taken his hand away. The church is gasping for breath everywhere. Okay? And all around the world, church things, the days are numbered. The Lord is coming. Okay? And everywhere the churches that are spiritually aware are preparing for the coming of the Lord, which I do not know. It's not our job to set a time and a date. But <clears throat> the cry is revive us. Restore us. Lord, that's a cry. Lord, Lord, restore us. So first, we have to look at the state of the church, not the state of the union. It's the state of the church. Why is the church <clears throat> like this? What has happened? Psalm 80 can be <coughs> a story of a person, a family, a church, or a nation. You know, Psalm 80 is the history of Israel. God had planted her, drove out the nations, and planted her. And as long as she obeyed him, he prospered her. But when Israel turned away from him to other gods and became corrupt, God took his hand away. 
Okay. In the same way, God drove out all the powers of darkness in us and planted his seed in us. The word of truth that saved us. Okay. And he planted us. He prospered us in our soul. Don't look at outside. Don't look outside. Look inside. That is true prosperity. He prospered us. But then when we started turning away, away from and started looking at all the things in the world, pursuing other gods, you know what happens? We start moving into trouble. So there is this cry. <coughs> now their enemies are laughing at them. Enemies are mocking them. Okay, They have no protection. They have no protection. In verse 12, why does this happen? <coughs> okay, we come. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? You see, when God plants a person, God is a gardener. One of the images of God we have, and Jesus himself puts a cross in John 15, is God is a gardener. And when he, you, you, we go down that road, you will all, all, always see there are a few patches where still some sowing is taking place. But when they do, one of the first things they do is that they fix the fence. I always see in them, the laborers come, they fix the fence so that the animals don't break in and finish the crop that is planted. So God doesn't plant his seed and leave you like that. When he plants his seed, he puts a hedge around us. Okay, hedge around. That's something which God does. What is a hedge? Hedge is a wall of protection. No? God puts a hedge around a nation. God puts a hedge around a family. God puts a hedge around a church. God puts a hedge around a person. Because God is a gardener. And his seed is very precious. The seed that he plants in a person, in a family, in a church or a nation is the very life of his son. It's very precious. It is his spirit. And ultimately, your spirit determines who you are and whose you are. That is why when you are saved, we have given the Holy Spirit. And he puts a hedge around it. But in this case, you will see <coughs> when Israel went after other gods. You know what? God broke down their hedge. Very rarely do you see out in the world a farmer breaking his own hedge. Breaking his own hedge. He broke the hedge. So that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. Meaning the, the, the labor of the child of God, he never profits from it. Your hard work, somebody takes it away. You all, It's like Haggai is saying, you work and you work and you work, you make money, but your bags have holes in it. It is always taken away by other people, other families, other nations. You slog, you slog, you slog and say, Lord, what is happening over here? God says, I took your hedge away. I took your hedge away. So we have to first diagnosis, okay, before we can have a solution. Okay, church needs to look at it. We look at, we need to, we need to examine ourselves. It's a personal examination, each one of us and look, Lord, if you don't rebuild, I will be destroyed. I will be destroyed. Right now, they're only laughing, plucking the fruit. But one day they will run over. That's what happened to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was run over by the Gentiles. And they had to wait 
Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's only like 70, 80 years ago they came back because he allowed the nation to be overrun. Generations passed away without ever seeing their homeland. They died and lived like aliens and exiles in the ends of the earth. Okay. And God says, why did this happen? So first, in Job 1.10, we see God placing a hedge around a family, a person and his household. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. Here is a man and here is his family. God planted him and God put a hedge around him and blessed him inside. Okay? So you know what? He is eating the fruit of his labor. It is not being stolen. What is the reason? The reason is 1-1. Job 1-1. You see the reason over there. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. He did not have any idols in his heart. He didn't run after the world. He ran after God. He was a fearful man. He was an upright man. He was a blameless man. It's not saying he's a perfect man. He, you, he, none of us will be perfect until Jesus comes. But we can walk with God blamelessly one day at a time without blame. Okay, without blame. We have more chance of walking blameless before God than Job. Because Job did not have access to the throne room of grace. Job did not have the blood of Jesus. Job did not have an advocate in heaven contenting for his soul. We have. Therefore, if we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and run to the throne and allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, we can run, walk with God blameless. So he was blameless, he was upright, he feared God and he shunned evil. You know what God did? God put a hedge around him. Put a hedge around him and his home. And he prospered. Okay. Therefore, Satan cannot touch him until God allows him. Now God takes the head. He did not break the head job. God just took the head job for him to be tested, to prove to Satan that this man can be tested. He will worship me for nothing. Nothing. And the question God asks is, can you worship God for nothing? Just for salvation alone? Nothing. You know, always I say, you don't have to do one more thing for me. What you did for me 2000 years ago on the cross is enough. You don't need to do one more thing for me to worship you. One more thing to praise you. One more thing to thank you. In eternity we will realize that one thing God did for us on the cross. All of eternity we will thank God. And we know what it is. What it really is. Okay. So in this case God removes the head to test the man. So in Israel's case God broke it down. It was to discipline them. In this case, it was to test them. Third case, Hosea chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your ways with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go return to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. That's me. The implication is that you are a child of God and you are running after the world. You don't want to obey his call. You don't want to walk with him. You know what? He says, I will frustrate you in everything you try. I will frustrate you. Frustrate. 
will frustrate. And I know how he frustrated me. You know, I mean, nobody, like, you know, is so excited when the call of God comes. Unless you're a prosperity preacher. Because you know what it costs you. What it will demand. What it will, you will have to face. So everybody is in some way or other like a little of Jonah. Will run in the other way. Okay? But what God says about his children is that, I will frustrate you. And it talks to others who do not have a call of God per se like that. But he says, you are my child. And if you are running in the way of sinning, you know what? I will frustrate you. I will put thorny hedges on the way. Verse 6, I will. I will put. Therefore, behold, I will edge, hedge up your way with thorns. No? Hedge up your way. Not ordinary thorns. You know, you know that uh, pineapple. Yeah, like my grandfather's farm. When we this thing, you know, uh, childhood, I had remember all the edges was planted with pineapple. You know how pineapple is? The hedge was a pineapple is thorn, so no cow or goat will get over it. We didn't use fencing and all. We planted pineapple nicely all around the edge. That if you try to cross over, you crossed over. At your own risk. God says, you know what? I will do that. You are my child. Thorny hedge. That when you sin, it will hurt you. It will cost you. You will not get away like the world does. The world gets away. You won't get away. It will hurt you. It will cost you. Why? So she cannot find her paths. He's hedging us. Okay, hedging us. Sometimes it's just to protect us. It's not that... You need to be, per se, you could be a righteous man too. Right? And God gave a man like Apostle Paul a thorn in his flesh so that he wouldn't go in the way of the sinners. What would be his sin? Pride. Because of the exceedingly great revelations you have received. And you are the one who came last. Born out of time. And I don't want you to become looked down upon the others who were before your time. So you know what? I am going to hedge you away with a thorn. It will be in your flesh. So that you do not go in the way of sinners. And the greatest sin, and the greatest sinner is the devil. In Ecclesiastic 10 and verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. You break through the hedge. Remember there is a devourer, an enemy waiting. Enemy waiting. You break through the hedge, the enemy will bite you. But if you are within the hedge, even if the enemy bites you, the enemy dies. You don't. Remember what happened in the island of Malta to Paul. He was within the hedge. The enemy bit him. And he shook the snake into the fire. And the snake died. Paul didn't. Okay, so God is teaching a spiritual principle. If you break the hedge, the enemy will get you. You have to stay within the boundaries God has set. Stay. There is safety there. There is protection there. Don't break that hedge. The enemy will. <clears throat> okay. So in verse 10, it says, the hedges are broken down. Hmm? <coughs> that is a, yeah. Verse 10, the hills. Yeah, 12. Verse 12, it says, the, uh, the hedges are broken down and it says, God has broken it down. God has broken. Why has God broken it down? It is judgment. Isaiah 5 and verse 5. 
Now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. Says, I will take your protection away. I will take it away. What? For a season. God disciplines his children. For a season. In Job's case, it was not judgment. It was testing. But in many cases, he takes it off. He takes it off until we learn. You know, like they say, it's nothing better than best teacher is experience. One good solid whacking is better than two hours of counseling. Okay. The lessons I learned from a father's assistant, that was the cane. Okay. It's very difficult to forget them. He used to have a statement. He says, when I, when I spank you, he says, you will see fireflies during the daytime. <laughs> One of his statements. <laughs> okay. Okay. He removes his protection <clears throat> to awaken us. Okay. Awaken us. He removes to awaken us, to show us. One of the fundamental things he has to teach his children is what Jesus taught in that illustration about the wine and the gardener. That, uh, verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> 4 and 5. Yeah. Right. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the wine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And verse 5, I am the wine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. One of the fundamental lessons God has to teach his children the hard way is that without him, you can do nothing. And even if you do nothing, somebody will take it away. It will be It will be total loss for his children. Okay, one of the lessons why he takes it away is to teach. Because what happens to a church, what happens to an individual or a family or a nation, when they start becoming prosperous, they start becoming independent of God. It can be any prosperity in anything. You have always, you know, in America, the, 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 the leftists look down on the people in the countryside. Because they are basically class 10 and class 12 pass, while all the college graduates all say they are atheists. They don't believe anymore. But the simple ones in the countryside, they stick to their families, they stick to their God, they stick to the church, generally speaking. I mean, you have to see the videos of my friends and all over there. They're cute. They have their church, they have their families, they will not leave their God and fellowship, but the rest of the country looks down upon them. But if you look at their educational level, you will see they are so much below the rest of the country. See, what happens to young people is that when they start getting educated, because the world, educated, you know what, pride gets in. They start, they get snooty. That's because the gospel is preached to the poor. It's not easy to remember poor in the spirit all the time. How can you be intellectually great and poor in the spirit at the same time? You can be. You can be. Okay, You can be, understand, you can be. But it is a fight. It's a fight. So what happens over here is that God removes your edge. God removes your edge. He removes your edge. And we have to learn that without God, we can do 
nothing. So the simple thing is that if we want revival, we want restoration, the way is we have to start building the hedges back. First, as an individual, because most of the people sitting here are unmarried, we build hedges around our life. Hedges around our life. We build hedges around our homes. We build hedges around the church. You cannot build a hedge around a nation. Because there is no nation like that anymore. But if the churches build hedges, and ultimately the churches will have an effect on a nation. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. How does it begin? I sought for one man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That should not destroy it, but I found none. God said it takes only one man. All God's work has begun with one man. So even though we may have 30 people in our home, all it takes is one person. One person. One person stands up before God and says, you know what, change begins with me. Begins with me. I am willing to stand in the gap. Yes, these are all my brethren. We all came from so many places. We all live together. We have grown together. But I see nobody's interested. But Lord, I am interested. I will stand in the gap. One person. Everywhere. It's one person. In a church revival, one person. Nobody has to see. Only God has to see. You are standing in the gap before God, not before man. Psalm 106 and verse 23 says about a nation. This is talking about 600,000 men and women. 600,000 men and women. Therefore he said he would not destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. One man stood in the gap. One man stood in the gap. So 600,000, 2 million people or 1.2 million people owed their lives to one man. Because one man stood in the gap and turned the wrath away God. So how do you begin? How do you begin revival? How do you become restoration? And you see the walls are down. You see the enemy coming and eating away your home, your life, your family, your church, your nation. And God is always looking all around. One person who's moved, one person who's burdened, who will stand up. Who will stand up? If you look into our church, if you look into our church, GDC Hyderabad, nobody is afflicted by COVID. But every day we pray for COVID patients. We are standing in the gap for people whom we do not even know. And people are getting healed. Getting healed. We either preaching from the pulpit or through the day we are preaching and sending recorded prayers. Why are we doing it? Because God is looking for one man, Bible says, who will stand and the, between the living and the dead. So the plague may stop. These are not natural things. These are unnatural things. These are demonic things. And you need to stand up before God and say, you know, these people are not just going to die on my watch. You look for one man. And you know, everyone who is saved has the same power and the authority to stop the plague. Because if the Spirit of God is in you, the same Spirit gives you the authority. Because one day God is going to come and ask us, all of you understand, what did you do with my spirit? This is the spirit that created everything. This is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the spirit that upholds everything. And I put that same spirit in you. What did you do? He comes and asks accounts. Okay, We do not see because we do not try. We do not try. Moses stood in the gap and turned the wrath away of God. And God is looking for people. Looking for people who will stand up. 
No, every day when I pray, when Ma prays every day, I pray, people I'm praying, Lord, let the pastors not die. This is, this is an incredible opportunity for men and women and children of God. Let them go forth. Let them lay hands of the sick. Let them not be afraid. Let them say as this pandemic is sweeping across India. India is the worst affected nation on earth. Yesterday, America has put India on category four. You know what category four is? It's like a storm, meaning nobody should go to India, travel to India. Asking all American citizens if they want to evacuate India. And nobody to travel to India. It's category four. People are dying like flies. And the question is, what are the Christians doing? What is the church doing? Stand up in the gap. Lord, my nation will not perish. Have mercy, Lord. These people do not know. These people are like the people of Nineveh. They do not know their right hand from the left hand. God was mad at Jonah. He says, these people do not know their right hand from the left hand. And you are so mad because they repented. And the people of India do not know their right hand from their left hand. They do not know. No. And God prepared us all these years. No, that is the whole idea. Teaching, preparing, teaching, preparing. When the day and hour comes that we will stand. When the day of evil comes, you stand. After you have done everything, stand. And the question you need to ask is, the day of evil has come upon my nation. Am I standing? Am I fallen? Or am I asleep? The day of evil has come upon U.S. And the question the church has to ask is, am I standing? Have I fallen? Have I gone into depression? Have I fallen asleep? Or are we like Jonah, gone to the depths of the boat and fallen asleep when the storm is going to wreck the whole ship off? For the only man who knows God, the only man who knows the solution to the problem is fast asleep. And sometimes I feel the church is fast asleep. They have solution because Christ is the solution and only the church has Christ. But the problem is, are we awake? Are we asleep? So there is one man. God builds a hedge through a man or a woman who stands in the gap and intercedes. That is, intercession is one of the most powerful ministries of the church. God doesn't need everybody to preach, but God needs everybody to pray. There's no great glory in intercession until the day of revelation, when that day. Then God will show the intercessors on earth. Nobody sees intercessors, but God sees and God hears. Okay, When Moses was standing before God, Israel did not see him. Israel did not hear him. God heard him and God told Moses, write down what you told me. Otherwise, generations would not have known. Would not have known. And if generations have perished, it was simply when God looked down, he found no man. No man. No man. Ezekiel 13. God builds a hedge. How does he build the hedge? He builds the hedge through the preaching of the word of God. This hedge is spiritual. It is built brick by brick by brick by brick by brick. You hear the word of God, you obey the word of God, you hear the word of God, you obey the word of God, but you need to be very, very sure what you hear is the word of God. It is true. Otherwise, you will build a wall which the enemy knocks over. Knocks over. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envision lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. 
My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying peace, when there is no peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Think about it. Just think for you, for you to understand what it is. Get cement, get sand, get bricks. Mix it nicely and just put little cement and sand and keep all the bricks over there and you don't put any water in the cement. Don't put any water in the cement. And everybody, oh, it looks good. Don't lean on it, but. Okay. And on all the walls you have to write, statutory warning, don't lean, don't touch. But what is the wall for? That's what he's saying. Untempered mortar. And say to those who plaster it untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain. And you, O great hailstone, shall fall. A stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen. Will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? Where is the word you heard? Was it the truth? Because truth can stand the, withstand any storm. That's why God allows his children to go through trials and testing to show to you, to prove to you what you have heard, what you have believed and obeyed is the truth because the truth can withstand anything that comes. Anything that comes. Anything. Sickness, epidemic, famine, flood, problem, anything it can withstand. Because like I keep saying, if the Christ in you is true and you allow him to magnify in your life, Christ takes his church in triumph in every place and every time. Christ has never lost a battle. He is a man of war. We live our lives, we will lose. He lives out his life in us, we will never lose. In any calamity comes. And we will be able to actually be able to say, for me to live or die is gain. There is no loss. Heads I win, tails you lose. You tell the devil. You want to gamble? We will gamble with you. But this is my coin. Heads I win, tails you lose. I cannot lose. Because Christ cannot lose. That's why. How do we breathe? How do we build a wall? We build a wall. By hearing the word of God. By the preaching of the word of God. And that's what Ezekiel is sent to preach. There are false prophets galore. Who will tell you tickling things. But you know what? Where are they all gone now? Somebody sent me a forward from one of my college groups with a picture of all the big time prosperity preachers asking, if you find any one of these people, please report them to the nearest police station. It is a joke. Meaning in this time of calamity, people are dying like flies. These people have disappeared. Where are they? Where are they? This is the time you should be standing up and giving them a word of hope. God has not left you. God like Gideon. God has not forsaken you. God never forsakes. He will deliver you for discipline. God never forsakes his children. He never forsakes his children. He will be with them in trial and sorrow, in sickness and death. If your marriage covenant is so powerful, how much more greater is the covenant God has made through his son with his blood? The marriage covenant is only until death to part. But the God's covenant is even after death forever is what he says. The Holy Spirit that I give you will be with you forever. Even death cannot separate it because it is he who takes you onto the other side. And this is the time of hope. This is a time of strength because we are being tested. And God is saying, have you looked at the wall? Have you looked at the wall? 
Word seven, uh, Psalm 80, go back, word 17 and 18. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. This is why the church, our church, I'm not talking other great churches are there, plenty. Wonderful churches are there. I'm talking about our church, GTC. When we began GTC, remember God gave us a word to build it on. It was the promise. Christ Jesus shall have preeminence in all things. When Christ Jesus has preeminence in our lives, you know what? The Christ in me, the Christ in you is growing. And that's what the Bible is saying. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of God. So if I have to be revived, if I have not to be torn away from you. It is not you. Your hand has to be upon the Christ in me. Let him be magnified. Let him have preeminence, O Lord. Then, Lord, revive us. We will call upon your name. The problem is we are feeding our flesh. We are not feeding our spirit, which is the Christ in us. We are feeding our flesh. Feeding our flesh. We are not feeding our soul. We are not feeding our spirit. Our spirit will only take the word of God. We are not even doing the practical things. How many times we have to say. You know what? Sometimes most people don't even understand the stress level we go through because of being in the forefront of this battle. But you know how we beat stress? That's why the headphones are always with us. You do not have the power of listening to a message. A powerful message. By that you have listened to the message, it has washed you clean. It has pepped you up. Instead we are sitting before our computers and TVs and watching junk which makes us even more lustful, even more sloppy, even more lazy and more depressed and discouraged and gives us no hope. Because nothing in this world has the power to give you hope except Jesus Christ. And if you think you will get hope from any of the things in the world, go back and read the book of Ecclesiastic over and over again. And look at a depressed, he, he was saved. If he was not saved, Solomon would have committed suicide out of depression. <coughs> out of depression. Because he knew God, he could not, he could not kill himself. You know what depression, you know what God's people, when they get depressed and discouraged, say they say like Elijah, I know I cannot kill myself, so you know what, why don't you kill me? You know how many people are saying today, why don't you kill me? Why don't you take my life, Lord? You know why? Because they don't want to commit suicide because they know they would go to, go to hell. So you, why don't you, why don't you take my life? No. Ask these questions. Lord, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. God is not interested in me. God is interested in the Christ in me. The Christ in me is the hope of my glory. You know why people have very little hope? Because Christ in them is a toddler. If he's a toddler. A toddler has more hope because at least he can crawl. Okay, he can reach from point A to point B. But the baby has no hope. That's why it's forever crying, meet my needs. It cannot even move on its own. The question is, the Christ in you is the hope of your glory. Can the Christ in you stand up? Is the Christ in you move? Can the Christ in you make decisions? It's a question God is asking. 
That's the hope of our glory. Otherwise, there should be an ex- there is a burden to see people when you see people perishing, but there should be an excitement when you see these signs happening. You know what? He's coming. This is the beginning of sorrows, Jesus said. When you see these pandemics happening, earthquakes happening, earthquakes happen, 6.7. In the very town I was there for four years in Assam. The epicenter was the town. So all my young people who are over there, they, they sent me the text by saying, our men, they're not young now, they're all married with children and all. Then, 20 years ago, 23 years ago, they were part of my youth group from different churches. So girls were very happy. They're saying, our men needed a shaking to wake up. The earthquake has woken them up. Now they're all discussing the old Bible studies which you took <laughs> of the end days. Because right before them, battlefields were opening. Water was coming up. Because Brahmaputra flows that way. All of our potter is coming. Things are, Vivanda, the biggest hotel in Guwahati, everything is flooded, leaking, broken. People are waking up right before our eyes. Yet, does it move us? Do we have a hope of glory? Yes, when it's looking at terrible things, but scripture says, lift up your heads, for your redemption is near. There's an excitement that comes in the air. Because you know, you slogged, you slogged, you slogged, and finally you near the game is about to end. And you are on the winning side. Not on the losing side. Nobody can be on Jesus' side and be on the losing side. Is there a hope of glory? So he's crying out. He says, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. And then what will happen? We will not turn back from you. Revive us. We will call upon you. Restore us. That's verse 19. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Jehoshaphat. Restore us. Meaning join into this battle, O God. This is the battle. Our enemies are overrunning us. My flesh is overpowering me. The powers of darkness have free flow in my life. Lord Jehovah Shabbat rise. The Egyptians are chasing. And there is no Red Sea to stop them. They are after my life. Lord, I need you to come into my life as Jehovah Shabbat. Arise. Cause your face to shine that we shall be saved. What is the promise given in Numbers? <laughs> what is the cry of them? He'll cause of his face to shine upon them. Give them? No, they're not asking for peace. They're asking for salvation. What was it supposed to be? A people living unto God, heads all around, God's hand is upon them, He causes His face to shine upon them, they have peace, they have joy, they have rest. Instead of what it is now, Lord, will you cause your face to shine upon us that we may be saved from our enemies? Okay. It's a cry. That is how it begins. That's how it begins. We don't understand how it begins. We don't understand it begins. We don't understand our state. If we don't, first examination is, are we really able to look ourselves in the mirror? Where am I? Where am I? Do I really pray? How is my prayer life? Do I have a prayer life? How is my praise and worship life? Do I have a praise life? Or am I singing Telugu songs? Yesterday, I put it on the praise and worship team, this thing, no? Benny sent it to me yesterday. It was so beautiful because she sings well, but she's from Nagaland. And I sing, oh, this is a song Raj sings all the time. You know? It's so beautiful the way she sings.
She doesn't speak Telugu. A Kannada boy and a th- Naga girl singing a Telugu song for the sake of the Telugu people who are going through COVID. He's releasing it on May 1st tomorrow. A timeless Telugu song releasing on May 1st. Lord, look with mercy on us. We are sticky clay. Do we have a praise? Do I have a worship? You know why I like him? Because somebody who should be panicking during COVID is, should be Benny. He's got only 10% of his lungs functioning. He has traveled to every nation in this world and had sung the glory of God with only 15 or 10% of his lungs. God is saying, do we have a praise and worship? Is the Christ in you magnified? Are you an intercessor? Nobody has to see. That's a task anybody, everybody can do. Whenever you wake up, you have to put it that way under during lockdown. It's not when you wake up, whenever you wake up. Whenever from when you wake up to whenever you wake up, can you just go before the presence of God? Presence of God. Can you go before the presence of God? Can you say, Lord, I offer myself as an intercessor, Spirit of God. You don't have to do any of these things in your strength. That is why the Holy Spirit is given. Can you offer your body as a living sacrifice? Says Holy Spirit, would you pray through me? Would you just praise through me, Lord? I'm not a singer, but I can praise. You don't have to be a singer to praise. And God enthrones himself in the praises of his people. Jesus, forever making intercessors. And Jesus looks back, hey, one small little girl in Hyderabad has stood up behind me, interceding with me. He's interceding for the nations and somebody's interceding with him for the nation. He's excited. Like today, there are so many people sitting over here. Usually it will be two or three. But when there are more people, we get excited. Oh, ten people, fifteen people have come to hear the word of God. And Jesus gets excited when all around the world he sees intercessors popping up. He says, Daddy, did you know there are so many people praying with me today? This is why it says without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. These are things which we do by faith. And we please God. This, this, the, 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 the book of Hebrews says the ancients received a good report, a good testimony because of their faith. Do we have a good report? Do we have a good testimony with God? No, when, when you, when you, you some people are excited when the exam results uh, come. Others are excited when you are passed. But ultimately it's a report card. Report card. Five years now when you are looking for a job, you will suddenly realize, oh, 2019-21, COVID batch. Ignore them. You will be called Corona batch. Why? Nobody is sure whether you studied or not. So you will suddenly be sure, understand, a report card matters. You see, when you are living on earth, you can receive an incredible report in heaven. Jesus lived 30 years and nobody saw him. Nobody even knew him. But when he came out of the water, the father gave a report card. This is my son. I am well pleased with him. You know, so many things which you can do by faith, so easy. You don't have to go anywhere outside the four walls of your room. 
which can please God. You can pray. Prayer is that moves the hand of God. It's prayer that that's what God said. God said, I look for one man. Imagine one 82, 81, 80 year old man stands before God and stops the wrath of God over an entire nation. One man. That's the power of an intercessor. The power of an intercessor. He stood in the breach. If he hadn't stood, what was going to come through the breach? The wrath of God was supposed to come through the breach. He stood there. And that's what God is asking. Here, everywhere. Will you stand up in our churches? The churches. You need to see the hunger. I just sent to three or four people in the church. All around the world, our churches are writing. Don't slow down. Don't worry about time. Who are these people writing? Let me tell you what's the time there where they are writing. So you will understand. Because I was more concerned. It's one in the morning now. One a.m. in the morning there. And they're all awake. They said, don't stop. It can go up to four, five. We don't care when you stop. Don't stop. Don't think about us and curtail. We are hungry. We are hungry. You're waiting. We want revival. We want God to restore our lives, our homes, our churches, our nations. And God is saying, you know, this is where we have to be careful about. There's so many things which we can do. First step is we look into the mirror and we say, Lord, where have we gone wrong, Lord? You show me. Where have we gone wrong? What has happened to the hedge? Why has the enemy broken through? Enemy may broke through, it's a spiritual thing. He has taken your joy away. Your zeal away. See, it's, it's, the enemy doesn't come with his horns and his tail and all. He's very, very subtle. He knows scripture very well. Scripture is the word of God. It is forever settled in heavens. And God says no man can love two things at the same time. He's very subtle. He just slowly causes you to love something other than God. Little by little. You know what? Without you realizing, your zeal is gone away. But you look at the people. Look at the people who have always done the things which they done. They have done in the beginning. Their prayer life, their prayers life, their word life, their witness life. They don't lose their zeal. Do you know why? It's simply they followed what God has said, as he told the church of Ephesians. Go back and do the things which you did in the beginning. You don't lose your zeal. But what does the enemy do? He quietly, very subtly takes your mind and your attention away. Attention away. That's what does God do? He allows the breach. He allows the enemy to come. And finally you cry out, Lord, Lord, what is happening? God says, this is why it happened. Then you cry out, Lord, revive me, Lord. Restore me, Lord. God says, I will. I will revive you. I will restore you. My hand will come. But who will it come upon? It will not come upon you. It will come upon the Christ in you. You have to get back and start feeding the Christ in you. You have to start feeding the soul in you. Because Christians are not like other people. Christians are one set of people who can go into the world, prosper and be miserable. People in the world can go into the world and prosper and be happy. Christians will never be allowed to be happy in the world Without God. You won't allow it. Because you have tasted something. That was of eternity. If you are not really saved, it does not matter. You will enjoy the world. But if you have tasted God, 
if you have tasted God, you will never be able. You will be miserable. You will be miserable. So take a first before we go into prayer. Take a first look. First session is that. Let's do, let's look into our own this thing. Why are we frustrated? Why are we frustrated? Sometimes God frustrates us because we have idols in our heart. It may be a good idol. I'm not saying it's a bad idol, but it's a good idol. <laughs> not all idols are bad, but if it supplants God, a good idol becomes bad. Good. A career is not a bad idol. It's a good. It should be career oriented. But if your career gets ahead of God, of God, you know what will happen? You will lose in the long run. To fall in love is not a bad thing. But if you put that person above God, like Jacob did, Jacob did, your marriage will die. One way or other. In his case, his wife died. It will die. Because a Christian marriage is held together like the, the bangles on my wife's hands. I, only last night I discovered it, that they are together, they cannot be separated. I never know it, knew, knew all this, this thing. And I was trying to take it off, it is not coming off. And she said, what said? I said, she said, no, your sister gave it to me, this is uh, the three cord, which cannot be separate. Book of Ecclesiastes. The third cord is God. You, God. Huh? The ring also is the same thing, three cords, she's God. Okay, so this is one of the things about the believer. A believer is born again from heaven. His soul cannot be satisfied with earth alone anymore. You have tasted heaven. You have tasted God himself. Nothing of the world is going to satisfy you. And so many people in the church are trying and they are miserable. They go to sleep with guilt. Go to sleep. And God says, come back to me. That's all. Come back to me. Do a thorough check. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will show each one who is listening online what is it. Okay? Like America. Patriotism. It's a good thing. But the question is, you cannot love your nation more than you love God. You cannot love your nation more than you can love God. So you need to be very, very careful. My identity first is as in Christ. Then patriotic. So if Christ says, I am going to judge your nation, take your hands off, don't stop in the gap, I will say, Lord, thy will be done. If he says that is the only way your nation will come through, Lord, I love my country so much, I don't want you to go. Just step aside. Step aside. Okay, so we need to understand these are all so many things which we need to realize. We need to realize. Okay? okay? Because there are a lot of people in US who are hurting because they are patriots. But our citizenship is of heaven. Our citizenship is of heaven. Yes, we are born in a country, we belong to a country, but we are born again with an eternal citizenship. Eternal citizenship. You look, look at the pictures coming from all over India especially from Delhi and all. Parks are being made into crematoriums. There's no place. No place. In one of the places, they have taken the uh, animal crematorium also for humans. No place to bury, to burn. 
So that's your citizenship on earth. At the end of the day, gone. No rituals, nothing. One by one. Putting it over. Next one. Waiting list. What? To burn the bodies. Waiting there. Dead bodies. I saw the pictures all wrapped up over there and people this thing, just putting it on. Next one, putting it on. Next one. This is your citizenship on earth. Christ comes and offers you a citizenship in heaven. No death. No sorrow. No sickness. No grief. And God says, what did you exchange that for? What did you exchange that for? No. Like I said, who changed the price tags? Who changed it? You know that story? About the supermarket? A few naughty boys got into the supermarket at night and they changed all the price tags. There are things, $5,000. They took the 5000 put it for a $50 this thing and put the 50 Next day, after half an hour, there is pandemonium. Why? $5,000... <laughs> $50. Everybody. They had to close down, call the cops. You know why? So God is saying, who changed the labels? The things that were precious in the kingdom of God has been made cheap. And the things that are so cheap in the kingdom of God has been made precious. And we are wondering why our soul is so lean. So lean. No, we, we swallowed that gospel. That is Psalm uh, 1615. Psalm 106 verse 15. Our testimonies were false. He gave them their request. Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me until your name became Jimmy. What did he send? Leanness into your. Yet the time of testing has come. The time, the evil day, the day of evil has come. Only your soul has the power to withstand evil. Not your body. You know what we did? We gained body weight in the body. So we are dying of obesity and coronavirus while our soul was lean. We should have gained weight in our soul and our body should have been lean. We would have withstood this day of evil. We would have withstood the day of evil. That's okay. I mean, if you're a little obese, don't worry. Just run. Okay, just run. Actually, better than that fast. is faster way of losing weight. Fast. Okay, fast. So please understand. Get it right. Come on. Peter, come. Okay. So first thing, we will be very serious about this. We will do a heart check, a soul check. Lord, you know, it's one-on-one. Wherever you are seated, anywhere in the world, (coughs) if you are a child of God, God says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And remember, we do not have the strength to do it. That is why the Holy Spirit is given. We need to ask Spirit of God, help me in my weakness. We don't even know how to pray, Romans 8 says. But in our weakness, in our infirmities, He helps us. Know your infirmity. What is your infirmity? I like watching Telugu movies. Say it. These are confessed. No, I'm not joking. Because some people are addicted to different things. And some of those addictions are not as harmful as others. But in the long run, if anything takes you away from God, it is harmful. People say, don't drink. It's harmful for the body. Another fellow watches movies, harmful for his soul. The alcoholic may come back to God while the other fellow is gone. Never to return. Though he may have a name called Chiranjeevi. He's not living at all. 
Then act of name means something else. They will tell you the meaning of the name. Live forever. So be serious about this. As young people sitting, older people, what is that takes you away from God? What is that dilutes you? Maybe a good thing, a bad thing, or a neutral thing. Say, Lord, this is it. I don't have the strength. Spirit of God, help me. That's why the Holy Spirit is given. To help us in our infirmities. What causes your depression? What causes your discouragement? Even if everything is going around wrong, child of God should not be depressed. I've been talking to weeks and to people on the phone telling them, why are you discouraged? Why are you discouraged? Yes, it is a deadly disease, but why are you discouraged? Where is your faith? Doesn't it say in life or death, both is gain? Why do you see it has loss? What are you so worried about? Okay, you may have family, but do you think God doesn't know? Come baby, God doesn't care for your family more than, more than you do? God doesn't? No. You're worried about your career. Is not God more concerned about you? Think about it. No. We have to come to the real thing. You know, we need to have the peace of God. The stunning example is Peter. When James was executed, the Jews were very happy. So Herod said, I shall execute him too. And the day night before his execution, he is so fast asleep. You know why? Because God gives his beloved rest. In the midst of a storm, he is able to sleep. To the point, it is not man. An angel had to smack him to wake him up. He slept so soundly. He didn't take Prozac, nor was he drunk. This is the rest God gives his beloved when technically looking at. He has no clue angel is coming. He has no idea God is going to bring it out. He probably doesn't even know the church is awake and praying. But he knows, I am. It's well with my soul. It's well with my soul. I have handed my soul into his hands and it is absolutely safe there. As Paul said, I am persuaded. I am convinced that into whose hands I committed, he is able to keep it until that day. Whether that day is t- today, before this day ends, or 10 years from now, it is safe. It is safe in his hands. So we will examine and we will pray. Yeah, We can stand and pray, okay? No problem.
cast me not away, cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Renew right spirit within me. Renew right spirit within me. Let it be one on one with God. Yes, one on one. Nobody else has to know. This is time to confess. For the word of God says, if we confess, He is faithful. It could be anything. Anything that has taken you away from God. Anything. Anything. Love of anything. 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 The Holy Spirit will show it to you. Say, Spirit of God, search my heart. Show me, Lord, what is the barrier between you and me. Where has the hedge been broken that you put? The enemy has come and stolen my affections for you. Whatever it is, a person, movies, songs, studies, family. These are not bad things. Alcohol, drugs, porn, fornication, adultery, video games, whatever it is. It does not matter. Everywhere in the world, addictions, whatever form of addiction that takes you away from God. Just just speak it to, to Jesus. It is He who is on the right hand of God forever making intercession for these saints. Just talk it out. Speak it out. The Spirit of God is there to help us in our infirmities. Be honest. Lord, I struggle. Lord, I struggle. I struggle. Take it away. We need that joy back. Spiritual joy. 
that I have the world and give to me the joy that I have the world and give to me the joy that I have the world and give to me the world and give it and what can take it away oh this joy that I have this joy that I have the world and give to me all the joy that I condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we believe as Yes, let's sing it. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, my God. Oh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the Lord Spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the of sin and death, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there is and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, there is therefore now no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus For the Lord, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus Will set you free from the law of sin and death There is therefore now no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus We're in the world, but we're not of the world, my God as we confess our sins, my God, one-on-one with you, my God, I pray, my God, that you are cleansing us right now. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We have grieved your spirit. We have resisted your spirit. Some of us have quenched your spirit. That's why we are not free. Father, we just come to you, Lord. 
the church needs a breakthrough church in the world nations needs a breakthrough it can only come through your spirit when we stand before thee lord we are guilty if i am the problem lord i pray you will bypass me and break through somebody else because the breakthrough needs to come lord we cannot be stumbling blocks to the flow of the holy spirit lord this cannot be pumped in the flesh this can only come through the spirit and we have grieved your spirit we have resisted your spirit unless the spirit flows nothing nothing happens lord Holy Spirit we just come to you. And as David said, we too pray Lord do not take your spirit from us. The anointing that is over our lives. It is written the spirit of the Lord left Saul. It is written Samson did not know the spirit had left him. We can maybe we cannot lose our salvation. we can lose the presence of the spirit we do not want to be a stumbling block to the salvation of others for the healing of others the deliverance of others and we pray before the lord that if i am the stumbling block bypass find somebody else through whom you can flow unhindered because the body of Christ is more important than any individual the river has to flow we cannot just wade in shallow waters there is so much of the spirit that lies ahead and i pray for everyone lord listening online the wind blows where it pleases we don't bend with the wind the wind will find somebody who will bend with it if we don't flow with the river the river will find somebody who will flow with it nobody has told the holy spirit what to do the holy spirit tells us what to do let not one more day pass by lord without us surrendering to the leading of the holy spirit jesus we confess and we repent for the times we grieved your holy spirit jesus for the times we resisted the holy spirit jesus we took it lightly even though you've been so merciful that even in the midst of this terrible pandemic your hand was over us your hand of health your hand of healing in the midst of that one year of famine and shortage your hand was over us we lacked nothing nothing yet lord we resisted your holy spirit in so many ways time of noah you said my spirit shall not contend with man forever and you said in the last days it will be like the days of noah people so busy with life 
And after a time, the Holy Spirit leaves them alone. Don't leave us alone, Lord. Do not leave us alone, Lord. We'll be like Samson. Unaware that you have left. We'll be only aware when the Philistines jump on us. And take our vision away. And bind us to serve the rulers of this world. Mercy, mercy, mercy on us, our families, our spouses, our children, our church, our spiritual children, our pastors. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. We confess. You said do not love the world. Do not love the things of the world. Then the love of the Father is not in you. We confess. We have loved the world. We have loved the things of the world. That is why we felt unloved. When we came to church, we felt that vacuum in us. When we went to the prayer closet, it felt empty. Because we could not feel the love of God. Because our hearts were taken by love of other things. And the Spirit of God contends. For our heart. Oh Lord touch. Restoration begins with us. Revival begins with me. Your word says in Psalm 80. It was your right hand. That planted that wine. We sinned against the right hand of God. We resisted the right hand of God. Revive us, Lord. Revive us, Lord. Restore us, O Lord. Light that fire again, O God. <coughs> Let not the world put away the flames that was lit from heaven itself. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I bind every lying spirit. I bind every unclean spirit. I bind every deceiving spirit. And I command it to leave the body of Christ in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak release into the body of Christ. I speak release in the minds of God's people. I pull down strongholds planted by the enemy. We pull it down in the name of Jesus. Every thought, every imagination that rises itself, raises itself above the knowledge of God, we cast it down in the name of Jesus. We cast it down in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of Leviathan, the spirit of pride that has come in. The spirit of pride. I come against the spirit of the python. The python does not bite. It just slowly squeezes the life of God out of you. It is subtle. It is deceiving. The python doesn't bite. He has no poison in his fangs. He squeezes the life 
of God out of you. The love of God out of you. The zeal of God out of you. I take the axe and cut the head of the python off. Release God's people, spirit of python, in the name of Jesus. That they will return back to their first love. That they will go back to the zeal they had in the beginning. That the fire would be kindled once again. That they would really, really, truly be able to say, I love God. I love Him more than anything. <coughs> or anybody. Touch. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch. The word says a double-minded man receives nothing. Oh, Father, only you can make us whole. Only you can make us whole. Ten lepers cried out. All ten received healing. But only one was made whole. And I pray like that one who came back today. Those who are hearing, many will come back to you. They will not run away with their blessings. They will not run away with their healing. They will come back to you to be made whole. One mind, a single eye, focused on God. Then they will be able to see life differently and clearly. The situations differently. Oh Father, I come against that spirit that divides that mind. That deceiving spirit that divides the mind. Which tells you, you can love God and love the world. You can serve God and serve mammon. I break that lie that is from the pits of hell in the name name of Jesus of Nazareth and I release the singleness that the spirit of God brings oh Lord oh father touch our spiritual eyes restore our vision let us not go to our deathbed like Samson blind oh Lord with one last feet but went to death blinded he never got his vision back he never got his vision back Lord but I pray restore the vision Lord Oh, help us to see, Lord, how you see, Lord. Help us to see what is valuable in your sight, O Lord. Oh, Father, what is important as in your kingdom first, O Lord. For you told us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us to see correctly again. To put first things first, O Lord. Oh, Father, I pray for the pastors, your servants, the Christians, O Lord who are in the ICU, who are in the sick beds, Lord. I pray, restore them back, Lord. Restore them back to health. Restore them back to their vision, O Lord. All your children, Lord. Yes, they strayed away. Many, many strayed away. They lost their first love, but they are in that position, Lord. They are looking up to you, Father. Look down with mercy. Look down with mercy. Stretch forth your right hand, the hand of grace, the hand of power upon them, O Lord. Oh, Father, Pastor Abraham, Pastor Maurice, Pastor Paulos, oh, so many pastors which we knew used to come for our pastor's conference. Many have died. Many have gone to be with the Lord. Oh, Father, have mercy. Pastor Ramesh, Pastor Naveen, we bring them before you. Let your hand be there upon them. Pastor Chaco, Pastor Eric, Pastor Ropen, Pastor Pedro, Pastor Paul Samson, Pastor Kareem, Pastor Muhammad Khalifa, Pastor Sidney, oh, Pastor Peary, Pastor Rick, oh, Father, all of our pastors, let your hand be there upon them. Hand of strength, hand of protection, hand of power. Oh, President Trump and his team, Lord. Brad, Mike, Cherry, and MQ, Lord. Rudy Giuliani, Lord. Oh, put a hedge around him, Lord. Oh, the enemy is trying to break through. The enemy is trying to intimidate, oh, Lord. Oh, Marjorie, Lord. 
Oh Father, when the spirit of intimidation rises against a man or a woman, the prophet Elijah's mantle is resting upon them because Jezebel does not go after everyone. She goes after upon whom the mantle of Elijah rises, O oh Lord. Oh Father, they are being intimidated. Your church is being intimidated. Your people are being intimidated. Your servants are being intimidated because the mantle of Elijah rests upon them, O oh Lord. We come against the spirit of Jezebel in the name of Jesus. We come against the spirit of Ahab in the spirit of Jesus. We bind you in the name of Jesus. We crush you under our feet in the name of Jesus. We crush the serpent under our head because you have said in your word, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means harm, O Lord. O Father, oh, we just thank you. We declare the victory of Jesus. We declare the victory of Jesus. We declare the victory of Jesus. Oh, on the cross, you triumphed over the enemy on the cross. You made a public spectacle of the enemies. You emptied him on the cross and you took him in a train, oh master. Oh, in the heavens, every demon knows they are defeated and they will be thrown into the lake of fire, Lord. And the church that stands strong is proclaiming the victory of Jesus. Oh, Father, we fear neither disease nor death. We fear God and God alone, oh Father. We stand strong and we shall stand strong in your strength, oh Lord. And we'll defy the enemy in the name of Jesus. We'll defy the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus. We bind Baphomet in the name of Jesus. We crush your head in the name of Jesus. And we call down fire, the God of Elijah. We call down fire upon every coven. Where witches have gathered, where wizards have gathered, where warlocks have gathered, where wicked ones have gathered to destroy your inheritance, O oh Lord. Oh, Israel is your inheritance. The church is your inheritance. And you have said in your word, he who touches you, touches the apple of thine eye, O oh Lord. Arise, O oh God, in your splendor. Arise, O oh God, in your glory. Let your enemies scatter, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, for it is written, when you come, you will destroy the enemy by the splendor of your coming, O oh Lord. Arise, O oh God. Arise, O oh God. Arise, O oh God. Let your enemies be scattered, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, and anoint your servants, anoint your children, all the ones only anointing can break the yoke. Nothing can break the yoke but the anointing. Let the anointing flow. Oh, Father, by faith, for everyone who is watching, everywhere and those who are here, I speak an impartation of faith, an impartation of your spirit. Oh, Father, let the spirit flow into the lives of your people. Let faith flow, Father. There is a gift called the gift of faith. And I speak that gift into the lives of your people who are struggling. <coughs> they will stand in faith, unshakable, immovable. Let an impartation take place, O oh Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. O oh Father, rebuild the hedge. Rebuild the hedge. O oh Father, you planted the hedge. You broke the hedge. Now, Lord, rebuild the hedge. Rebuild the hedge around homes. Rebuild heads around individuals. Rebuild the heads around churches. Rebuild heads around nations, O oh Lord. Rebuild, O oh God. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Hallelujah. <laughs>